0: Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for our time this morning so far in worship. And now as we open your word, once again, we acknowledge that your word is truth. It is your word. Therefore, it is the authority in our life as your children and as those desiring to be more and more like Christ. And Father, specifically, as we uh, look at uh, what it means to be free in Christ, the freedom we have as Christians and in light of this weekend where, where the theme of freedom uh, is so prevalent in our country, Lord, help us to understand biblical freedom and what that means for us on a, on a daily basis. So, Father, we, we need you through your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to, to teach us and not just to help us to hear it, but ultimately to do it, to obey it, to walk in faith and obedience and in the obedience to be transformed uh, more and more into the image of Christ. We pray this in your name, Amen, Amen. Second Corinthians, we'll just uh, do a little launch off first. Second Corinthians three, verse seventeen it says, "Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right, and it's all the July fourth celebrations, right? Freedom slash independence." Theme and, and things something celebrated as a country uh, yesterday and and in light of that I, I was thinking well Lord okay so our country is celebrating uh, this idea of freedom this value of freedom but what is it what is freedom in Christ what what because because many of us whether you're you're new to Christianity checking it out sometimes maybe even if you've been walking with Jesus uh, for many years. This idea of freedom and Christianity—you're kind of like, huh? I thought I thought being a Christian was just a bunch of do's and don'ts, and it was a bummer. What, what are you talking about freedom, right? And and we have to be be very clear because again, sometimes the world's values and the world's attitudes and the world's emotions with with certain words come into the church, and rather than being a, this wonderful celebration of freedom as a Christian, in following Jesus, we're like, oh, the world seems to have all the freedom and we have all the rules. Is that the way it really is? Is the world free to go out and celebrate and drink and party and, and be free while us followers of Jesus just have the rules? And we're, we're bound up and we're following Jesus, carrying our crosses until we get to heaven. And then at heaven we're free. Is that where our freedom begins as a Christian? Is it when I get there? Or is it right now? Right now, as you sit here. And then tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. So we have to understand, biblically, what freedom is. And, and, and sometimes it, it takes just a simple recognition of how you define freedom. This, you know, define freedom. Because in, in the world's definition, I, I, came up, I came across this. It says, to the world, their definition of freedom, it's this. Freedom means the right to be and do as you please, how you please, when you please, where you please. It means doing your own thing, being your own boss, looking after number one first. It's the right to any choice, so long as it's your personal choice. Sound pretty close to how the world defines freedom, right? Right? I remember, you know, some of you have met my older sister. She's uh, four years older than me. And growing up, she and I, right, I'm third in line. And so, you know, she tried to play the older sister card at times, right? And that didn't go over. And I remember, right, we'd get into it like, ah, ah, ah. And I remember, you're not the boss of me, Right? Try to be the boss when mom and dad aren't home. You can't tell me what to do. Right? And, you know, and, and so we, it's just this idea of the world's view of freedom is like, you know, I don't have to answer anybody. I'm free. I'm free. And, and, and that's where part of the core issue, our struggle when we come under the lordship of Christ and, and biblical authority, suddenly we're like, wait. If I'm called to follow Jesus as Lord, if the Bible is truth and authority in my life, where's the freedom in that? Where's the joy in that? Well, part of that problem, part of the core problem is is redefining how you define and I define freedom. See, freedom biblically is not casting off restraint. It's not doing whatever you want to do. Right? True freedom in Christ comes in submission to Christ. True freedom in Christ is making choices to be all in with Him, and then you're free through the power of the Holy Spirit, true freedom to follow Him. Despite your feelings, despite circumstances, despite consequences, you are the freest person on this planet. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at this idea of freedom and hopefully celebrate your freedom in Christ... And then be challenged when we leave here. Okay, Lord, if I am free, empowered to make godly choices, what choice are you calling me to make? What decision are you calling me to make? Because biblically, our freedom in Christ is rooted in being a new creation, being regenerated. Now that word regenerated, it's a big word. It means born again, which means when you put your faith in Jesus, you're born again into God's family, and what happens is He gives you a new nature internally. How many of you, before you were a Christian, wanted nothing to do with God? Didn't want to read the Bible? Right? Coming to Wednesday night study was like, what? Are you kidding me? Right? Now, how many of you, since you became a Christian, want to come to church? Want to read your Bible? Want to follow God? What had happened? You were regenerated. God changed your nature. He didn't just forgive your sins. He didn't just put you in his family. He said, you're going to be my child, and I'm going to change you from the inside out. So this regeneration happens. He indwells you with his Holy Spirit, and now you are free because you are empowered, supernaturally empowered to honor and obey God's will. Turn to Philippians 2. The Apostle Paul makes this really clear. So you're going to to turn a few books to the right. Philippians 2.13, 2.12. We'll start in 2.12. 2.12. Philippians 2.12. The Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We studied these before. It is not work for, it is work out, which means it's like a math problem. When you have a math problem and you work it out, work it out, all the way till you get the answer, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, you're saved, okay? Now continue working out what I put in you, work it out until you go to heaven. It's not earning your salvation, it's working out. Take it to completion, what I have begun. And he says in Philippians, look in verse 13. For it is God who works in you to what? Will and to act according to His good purpose. He says, hey, believers, work out your faith till the end. And here's the crazy thing. I, God, am going to give you the desire, the will. And then I, God, am going to give you the power to do it. Isn't that crazy? Right? Who wouldn't sign up for that? God's like, hey, work out your salvation. And by the way, I'm going to give you the desire and then I'm going to empower you supernaturally to do it. See, isn't that a radical switch from a lot of us? We think, oh, being a Christian, oh, God just has all these high standards. And I just got to work really hard in my own effort. And I, oh, it's just all up to me. And, and it's just this thing I got to do. And... And we, it becomes all about us and the flesh and works and all this stuff and drudgery and duty and da-da-da-da-da because we, we, didn't, we didn't realize, we forget that, no, it's God who works in you to desire His will and then to do His will. To do His will, right? Mark talked about going to Haiti. Who gave Mark that desire? Right? 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 You gotta remember it's God working in you to change your desires and then to empower you to do it. That's the supernatural part of being a Christian. That's the joyful part of being a believer. That's the adventure. That's the newness of life that we're talking about. It's not drudgery, it's not rules, it's not da 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 da. It's all right, God have your way. Change my desires, enable me through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. There's freedom, right? So, what are we to do with it? What are we to do with it? Well, let's turn to Romans 6. We're going to go back a couple books. Romans 6. As a believer in Christ, we know our sins have been forgiven. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We're going to look at a few verses. What are we supposed to do with this freedom? Well, the first thing in Romans 6, 1 and 2, it's like what we're not supposed to do. Okay? Look at this. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live any longer in it? Right? Let's go down to verse 5. If we have been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be what? Slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. We spent a long time on this. A lot of weeks and a lot of months. Understanding that when you become a believer, you are set free from slavery to sin. You now have the power to say no. You can say no to sin. In fact, as a believer... You have to be real careful when you try to excuse sin by saying, the devil made me do it. Because as a believer, the devil can't make you do anything. Because why? You have the Holy Spirit in you. It comes down to choice. So he says in verse uh, 1 and 2, he says, hey, in your freedom, it's not a license to sin. Your sins are forgiven. You got heaven, you know, you go into heaven. It is not a license to habitually sin. You can't do that anymore. You have a new nature, okay? So what are we supposed to do with this this freedom? Number 1 is not habitually sin. He says that you can't do that. It's impossible. Okay? You got to check yourself. If you're habitually sinning and living in darkness and all this kind of stuff, you may want to check yourself. You may want to check yourself, okay? Not that we don't occasionally sin, but we're talking about sin as a habit, a lifestyle, okay? So that's number 1. Turn to Galatians 5:13. What are we supposed to do with our freedom? Galatians 5:13 You my brothers were called to be what? Free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Okay, so what are we supposed to do with our freedom? As a habit of our life, live a life of righteousness, of holiness. What are we supposed to do with our freedom according to Galatians? Serve one another in love. Okay, not indulge the flesh. It's not a license to sin. Rather, we're to serve one another in love. Okay, now turn to 1 Peter 2. Keep going right. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. Hebrews James 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 16 1 Peter 2:16 Live as free men but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil live as servants of God Right, again, he, he, we, we've seen that he repeats it, right? Hey, your freedom's not a license to sin. Your freedom's not about the flesh. In this verse specifically, hey, live as a servant of God. Use your freedom to serve God, to live for God. That's what our freedom's about, right? And last week, we looked at Jesus' call to discipleship. If you were here, we said, okay, in light of the changing culture, in light of our country and the decisions that are being made, Jesus Has anything changed in your call to discipleship? Right? And we saw last week, turn to uh, Luke 14. We saw last week, Jesus' call to follow Him hasn't changed. Right? The laws and the things in our country may change, but Jesus' call to discipleship has not changed. And in Luke 14... Verse 25, we saw this last week. It says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Right? And then all the way down into verse 33, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. And Jesus is saying, hey, he's not talking about antagonism and actually hating someone. What those verses mean, and Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to follow me, I got to be the number one love in your life. You got to love me so much that in comparison to how much you love me, it kind of looks like you hate other people. He's not talking, telling about hating people and Positive antagonism. He's saying, hey, love me first. Teresa, love, love me. You want to be my disciple? Jesus, uh, Teresa, I want you to love me first. More than any earthly relationship. Love me first. Love me first. And then he says, down in verse 33, in the same way any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. And he says, hey, Teresa, you want to be my disciple? Then everything you own, just, just, just surrender it. Just surrender it. Don't hold on to anything or anybody more than me. Right? He says, hey, you have to choose to be all in. And we saw that last week. We saw that last week. And you're like, whoa! I mean, it was kind of one of those challenging messages even for me. You're like, oh my gosh, really? Jesus is saying He, he, he wants to be the number one love above all my familial relationships? Really? Really? And then all the stuff that I worked so hard to accumulate and all my material possessions and all my toys and all that, He, he wants me to, to, to say here, Lord, it's Yours? Yeah. And we came to the conclusion that that's got to be a work of Him, a supernatural work of God, where you say, okay, Jesus, I hear that. It's pretty, it's pretty clear. I'm all in. Yes. Yes. And then turn to Mark, because we see a wonderful example in Mark where his disciples actually do this. We turn to Mark 10. Mark 10, and in the first part of this passage, it's the story of the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and says, Hey, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Hey, sell everything and come follow me. And the rich young ruler says what? Oh, he walks away, right? But many of us stop there and we don't read. Start Mark ten verse twenty eight. So in Luke, Jesus said, Hey, you want to follow me? You gotta leave everything. I gotta be more important than any person and anything on this planet. Right? You gotta love me more than any of that. And look what Peter says in, in Mark ten twenty eight. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. And Jesus says this I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or field for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields with them and with them, and I love this persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. That many who are first will be last and the last first. Here's the deal. Right in Luke, when Jesus says, "Hey, leave everything and everybody to come follow me," some of you are like, "Oh," I mean, we get this like it's like a bummer or something. Oh, really? Okay, I left it all, and we get this kind of attitude. We can get an attitude. We can cop an attitude towards Jesus, right? Or like he has to pry it away from us, right? Look in Mark ten. He says, "Hey, if you follow me, if you leave everything, look what he says." No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields, verse 30, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. And he goes through the list again, and I love how he includes persecutions because it's just the way it is, right? Now, real caution in this verse. Some people twist this, and they turn it into sort of like this gospel of wealth and everything, and you know, they try this a hundred times, hundred times. You're not going to get a hundred houses. I'm telling you right now. If you think you're going to go sell your house, and, well, he said, if I sell my house, I'm getting 100 houses, that's not the verse. That's not what that means. So, so people twist that. False teachers are out there to get your money. Hey, give me, give me five bucks. You're getting a hundredfold return. That, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. If you leave all to follow me, you're going to be blessed beyond what you can even think in terms of the value of what you gave up. And specifically, he goes through that list, mother, father. He's saying, hey, if you put me above all your earthly relationships, here's what you get. The family of God. With all the resources of the family of God. Do you get it? He's saying, hey, if you will surrender at the heart level all your earthly relationships, all your earthly resources, everything material... You're put into the family of God and you get a whole new family with all those resources. That's what he's saying. So he's like, Teresa, give it all up to me. And I'm, as, as, a new, as a believer, I'm going to put you into the body of Christ, the family of God, and look around you, Teresa. Look, go ahead, look around you. Look what you get. Look what you get, right? Betty! Betty just was up here. And what was Betty saying? Oh, I've received a hundredfold. Betty was just given a testimony of Jesus' Word. You, you, you gave me breakfast, lunch, dinner. breakfast. You might have put on a hundred pounds. I don't know, right? I don't know what that, you know. Do you get, you get the heart of what Jesus is saying? If you'll give, give me priority over everything and over everybody as a new creation, as a member of the family of God, it comes back to you. In spiritual blessings, in spiritual blessings, you're a new creation. The Bible says you've been given every spiritual blessing. You have everything you need for life and godliness. It's all there. It's all there, right? And he says, that's the freedom. And then he says, ultimately, eternal life. Eternal life, right? So, so we, when when it comes to this idea of freedom, you have to—it's it's, it's called to embrace it. It's a woohoo moment. It's not a. Oh, really? Right around here, what do we say on, on the Lord's Day? We don't have to come to church. We, we get to. We want to. I'm hoping that's your desire. Do you see the change in emotion? See if it's if it's duty, drudgery, law. We have to go to church. Wake up. You up? Wake up. We have to go to church. And we've got to go worship God, so get up! Something's not right with that picture. Right? I get to go to church. I get the freedom. I get the freedom to come and worship. Yes! I get the freedom to be with the brothers and sisters in the family of God. Yes! I want to. Do you see the difference? That's the freedom we have. That's the freedom. It's a work of God in us, He gives us the desire to want to be here and then He supernaturally empowers us to get here and do what we need to do. Right? Turn to John uh, Galatians 5. We're going to close with this verse. We'll at it for a little bit. And we'll close with it. Galatians 5. So we know we're free. We know that freedom is an awesome, incredible thing. Right? But we're going to close now with a couple of real practical commands, direction for us with this freedom. Okay. In Galatians, there's this issue happening where these people have come to Jesus. There's Christians in Galatia. And then the Judaizers come back and say, hey, you know that saved by grace through faith thing? <coughs> Not really enough. you got to go get circumcised. And it throws them for a loop. And they get, they get kind of, uh-huh-huh. Uh. And so God sends His apostles like, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're saved by grace through faith. You have freedom. And look what he says in Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay. Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. According to that verse... What is the heartbeat? What is our attitude? What is our perspective as a believer? It is we have been set free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So if you have this mindset, this worldview that Christianity is do's and don'ts and rules and bondage and duty, you gotta you gotta let that verse change your thinking. It's about freedom. The freedom to be empowered, the freedom because we are empowered to follow Christ. Amen? It's freedom. It's not bondage, it's freedom, right? Then he says this, stand firm. That's a command. There's a lot of things in my life and in your life that want to distract you and pull you away from your freedom. Back to what he says, and do not let. Circle, underline that word let. Because let puts the responsibility on who? Anyone do this and this. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of what? Slavery, bondage, right? In this context, he's talking about, hey, don't, you don't have to be circumcised. Don't go back to the law. But in a sense for us, he says, hey, you have been set free in Christ. God is working in you to, to, to have the desires for him. And then he's working in you through the Holy Spirit to actually obey him. Stand, stay put. In that freedom. Don't allow the things of the world, the things of your past, your feelings, to put you back into bondage. Bondage. One of the greatest joys I've had in 20 years of ministry is to see people understand their freedom in Christ and then begin to make choices in their life based on their freedom in Christ. Their freedom in Christ. Way back in in San Diego, I was in youth ministry. And we reached out, and I used to bring this kid, this junior hire, to youth group. And when I started picking him up and taking him to Bible study, he wasn't a believer. And I noticed he, he, he was living in the garage in his condo. And I noticed when i pick him up, we'd chat a little bit, and I got to know him. On his wall... He had all these little figurines. Like little demonic stuff, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons, all that kind of stuff. That was like weird. Like, dude, how do you sleep with that stuff staring at you at night? Right? That kind of crazy stuff. But I didn't say anything to him. I was like, that's that's where he is. That's okay, that's where he is. Take him through, get to know him, family. Comes to know Jesus. Over time, over time, you know, I just getting to know him over months, years. During his junior high high school. One day I go to his house and pick him, I'm like I notice his walls are empty on all the shelves. All those little figurines are gone. And I'm like, hey man, hey Jeremy, what happened to all that stuff? He goes, oh, I took it down. I don't think God wanted that in here. I didn't, even have to, I didn't have to preach at him. I didn't have to like day one say, hey dude, Christians don't have that. I, didn't, I let God work in him. And, 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 then, and then he exercised his freedom to make a choice. Should that be there or not? Lord, okay, no. I choose to take it down. He made a choice. He made a choice. Right? Because he, he knew who he was in Christ, and, and God presented him with an opportunity. Hey, are those figurines on your walls glorifying the God? Is that edifying to you, man? And on his own, this teenager said, I'm taking them down. And they were gone. And, and that little choice, I believe, those choices he was making in his life, led to this one day, I was in a, um, in a Christian store... In San Diego, and I would look, you know, I like all kinds of music, so I was in the Christian rap section, right? And I'm looking, and I look at, I pull this one CD. This is when they still had CDs, right? <laughs> right? And I look on the back, and I'm like, I see this dude with dreadlocks, and I'm like, that guy looks familiar. And I'm reading, and I'm like, that's Jeremy! Now, he had gone full-on Rasta on me, but, <laughs> and I had lost, but he had dreadlocks, and his name was Dirt. I'm like, okay, Dirt, I don't get Dirt. But he had a CD in a Christian bookstore. This kid who had these demonic figurines the very first time I knew him. Why? Because as he got to know Jesus, as he got to know his freedom in Christ, he was empowered to use what was already given to him. He was making choices in his life that, that led him down this path of, of sanctification to where he got to use his gifts and talents, and he ends up with a CD in a Christian store. And I'm like, that's freedom. That's choices. That's this example where, like, come on. God's given everything we need for life and godliness. Amen? The Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit who raised Christ from the dead resides where? Whoop. I'm done. No, I mean, right? I mean... Come on, it's like it's there. It's there, right? I mean, it's like we won the spiritual lottery and you won't go to the ATM and make a withdrawal. It's there. You have this freedom. He's, and don't we don't use it for the flesh. We use it to serve one another. We use it to be servants of God. We use it just to pursue holiness. Amen. And he says, "Hey, stand firm. Stand firm. Because there's things in your life and things in the world that are going to want to bind you up, going to bind you up. And here's the thing we're going to close with the video, but I want to encourage you. Sometimes when we hear about freedom and life change and life transformation, if we're honest, it's always good for somebody else. Someone who has a big addiction problem, someone who's got an issue with lust, someone who's got an issue with a big thing, right? I met with a couple guys on Friday It's accountability group and we share our lives. and we started sharing like I asked the question, hey what God, what's God doing in your life? Where are you being challenged? Where are you feeling a little a little spiritual conviction? And so we went around and we shared And you know what came out? Of that? I left there kind of very encouraged but also very challenged because we realized that even as mature believers who have walked with Jesus for a while, we excuse a lot of stuff. See, it's not, it's not these big glaring sins, but these, there's these issues in our life, and what do we say to excuse it? No, it's just the way I am. I've always been that way. No, it's, I, I, I can't do that. And, and we had this real heartfelt discussion as brothers in the Lord, and we're like, really? Is it can't or won't? Is it can't or won't? And, and I was really challenged, you know. One of the things in my life, you know, I, I grew up and I was kind of a hothead. I had a huge temper. That's my sister, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I can, even as a pastor, use the excuse, oh, man, I just always had a temper. I can, I, can, I can snap at my kids. I can snap at my wife. And I can excuse it. I can excuse it. I can ask, oh, God, forgive me. But I've always been that way. Or I can say, Lord, I'm free. I'm empowered to really surrender that area to you and not excuse it anymore. And, and it, was, it was really convicting. And, and the brothers really kind of like went... Pew, and I appreciated it. I said, hey man, we, got, we can all make choices. As Christians, we, we are empowered to make choices. And in this journey of sanctification... Jesus said, I came to give you life and abundantly. Life abundantly. It's a good thing. Amen? It's a good thing. So we're going to watch a video clip. But here's 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 why I start. I preface it before we show that. You're going to see different characters in this video clip. And it's a wonderful video. And it, I hope it ministers to you. But the video could also be, have characters of, of pride and self-righteousness, excuse, justification, rationalization. All the all the churchy people wrapped up into one is what I would consider one one character that just might be missing from this. So so go ahead and put the put the screen down and as you watch this my encouragement is Lord you set me free. You set me free, which means I am empowered to choose you and choose obedience through the Holy Spirit. What are you calling me to do? What choice are you calling me to make? One little decision in my process towards holiness. Amen.